a long time ago. It's the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parts and the great disturbance of the force. I told you she would never partially betray the rebellion. That's no move. Caught in a trap and it's pulling us in. Marvel Comics Group Adventures Beyond the Greatest Space Fantasy Film of All, Star Wars Dark Encounter. Long ago in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Archie Goodwin, writer-editor, Carmine Infantino, and Bob Wieck, artists, John Costanza, letterer. Glennis Ween, colorist, Jim Shooter, consulting editor. Continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas, Dark Encounter. And thus begins our latest installment in the Star Wars saga, issue number 29, with a publication date of August 1979. Star Wars Dark Encounter is the 29th issue of the Marvel Star Wars series of comic books. And in this latest story, we have Darth Vader discovering that there is a rebel deserter by the name of Tyler Lucian, who knows the name of the rebel pilot who destroyed the Death Star. This is who Vader now is obsessing over trying to find one Luke Skywalker and make him pay for what he had done to the Death Star. Now, we have an old character coming back, the bounty hunter, Berlet Valance, who, if you remember, was from issue number 21. And he is on the trail of that same rebel deserter, Tyler Lucian. But he is after him for a different reason. He wants to prevent Lord Vader from learning the information that Vader seeks. Eventually, you knew it would come to a conflict. And the two, meaning Vader and Valance, confront each other at Tyler Lucian's hideout at Ruby Flame Lake. And an epic battle ensues between these two and was very interesting, if you'll remember, from issue 21, Berlin Valance is a bounty hunter who also happens to be part man, part machine, a cyborg. And that term is actually used to describe Valance there in issue 21. Now, of course, we know with Darth Vader, he is also part man, part machine, having sustained the injuries that he sustained on Mustafar and been put back together, if you will. So Vader is victorious when Valance falls into a fatally corrosive lake waters that allow Vader to break free. And Vader does this by breaking out his lightsaber and searing off the hand of Valance who was trying to weight Vader down and pull him into the lake with him. Vader sees this hideout that Lucian is in, and it almost is like a very large lighthouse in the middle of this lake. 
Lucene is at the top of this. It's a very large spire going up. But Lucian decides to take his own fate into his own hands. And instead of waiting out the inevitable, which would be an an inquisition by Vader as to the name of this rebel pilot who destroyed the Death Star. And this certainly would not be a pleasant inquisition, quite painful, and ultimately leading to death once Vader received the information he needed. Lucian decides not to wait for Vader, but instead jumps from this dizzying height in this tower into Ruby Flame Lake, killing himself, thwarting Vader's plans to extract that information. There are many very interesting things in this story. One is that we have a character from a previous issue coming back, that bounty hunter, Barlet Valance. And I like the story threads of the writing team coming back to characters as they're trying to build up the expanded Star Wars world and give us adventures while fandom was waiting for the new movie to come out, which we would see in 1980 with The Empire Strikes Back. We may have here a precursor to the mythos that would come out during the prequels of the films. This Ruby Flame Lake is actually a lake that underneath had a lot of volcanic rock. And apparently that rock and then the lava underneath was mind harnessed for power and industry. And thus what was once, and this is described in our story, a crystal clear lake, beautiful, used to be a vacation spot that people would come to, is now corroded. And when you look at it, you go, wow, okay, could, could this have served as a bit of inspiration here for ultimately Mustafar and the Mustafar world? Don't know. But it's interesting, I feel nonetheless, when looking at this story and seeing where you had outlines that George had done for the Skywalker saga and the arcs that he had developed. And then what took place over the subsequent years of good ideas coming out by many who were working within George's world and developing stories and characters to complement the just brilliance that George had put together in 1977 with A New Hope and then was continuing on with Empire and then Return of the Jedi. A data point, nonetheless, and, and one which was quite interesting. When we look at the art here in our story, Carmine Infantino is still working on Star Wars and doing a fine, fine job. I, I absolutely love, again, his level of detail. Anything space-related is epic. It looks gorgeous. Whether it's spaceships, the depiction of space, stars, planets, his detail when we get into the on-world action with Valance and him trying to pursue Lucian, and he finds himself in a cantina on this world as he's trying to track him down, has an encounter with some stormtroopers. All of that is great. I think a big standout here 
is the actual depiction of Valance himself. He almost, he predates the Terminator. And what's interesting in this cyborg that's rendered here by Carmine Infantino, that also looks like a precursor to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator character that James Cameron would bring to the screen in the 80s. I can't help but think that if Cameron had read this comic or saw this comic, he could have gained a lot of inspiration that then ultimately ended up being applied there to Terminator. But again, that's speculation. But it's really cool stuff to see. When we're on this world, we we go from this town cityscape, this cantina, then out to this lake area country. And in the days of the Old Republic, Ruby Flame Lake was a splendid popular resort, attracting visitors by the thousands to Centaurus, and that's the world, the planet that we're on, from throughout the mid-systems. Under the hand of the Empire, deeply buried lava beds, which warmed the lake, were tapped for intense industrial purpose. Within a decade, the lava beds were exhausted. The once sparkling, gem-like waters were opaque, clouded forever by waste, and once Elegant guest towers were fallen into ruin and disguise. So these elegant guest guest towers where people would stay is actually where Lucian has holed himself up, trying to escape, understanding that he, and, and this is another level of depth that I think this writing team provides us in the Star Wars world, that there would actually be deserters from the rebellion. So Archie Goodwin, I think, did a very good job here of this Tyler Lucian character that this was a member of the Rebel Alliance who was on Yavin while the assault on the Death Star was happening. He saw the Death Star getting ever so closer, ever so near. He decides to desert, to get out of there, to save his own hide. But while doing so, overhears that Luke Skywalker, this farm boy, has successfully gone down the trench run, initiated that attack with his torpedo, goes into the exhaust shaft and blows up the Death Star. Tyler Lucian's plan is now not necessary, but unfortunately for Lucian, it's too late. He was in the act of desertion. He can't go back. So he decides to come here to Centaurus and hang out and try to escape, create a new life for himself. And that's where we have Valance and Vader meeting. Now, there is an interesting little interlude in this story, which is setting up our next story in issue 30. In the interlude, the main rebel base on the fourth moon of the gas giant Yavin. So this will create some linkage here for our rebel deserter, Tyler Lucian, since we do have this scene here on Yavin. But we are not talking about Tyler Lucian, what we're talking about here on Yavin is a discussion between General Daldana and Luke Skywalker, and it concerns Princess Leia. Luke confronts the general, and we have a little three-panel comedic interlude between C-3PO and R2-D2, so it's a nice little entertaining bit with a lot of beeps and blops and deeps and that good stuff, and you know C-3PO playing his role in, as interpreter for us. 
But then when we get into the scene here with General Dildana, and as a perpetual argument is resumed outside the supply and maintenance area, others are having words as well. How could you do it, General Dildana? Let the princess run off on a mission alone because she convinced me I might be letting personal considerations keep her at the base, Skywalker, much as you might be. So this is Archie Goodwin pulling on that string of a romantic relationship between Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia because it was much speculated on by fandom after A New Hope. And Luke responds, you could be right, sir. I'm sorry, but didn't you always say she needed to be here as a symbol of the Alliance? And then Dodonna responds, Leia Organa has abilities far beyond that. As we both know, yet in the place where she has gone, a symbol is desperately required, and perhaps rather than wait and worry here. You too need a mission, Luke. And that's where the interlude ends. So that's obviously setting up our next plot point for our next story there in issue number 30. All in all, another great installment within this expanded universe saga that Archie Goodwin and Carmine Infantino and company are creating for us. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable and looking forward to our continued monthly exploration throughout 2024 as we see what happens next to our rebel friends and count down to the Empire Strikes Back. Obi-Wan, take us out. Your destiny lies upon the different parts of your mind. The Force will be with you, always. This Marvel Legends comic book series is dedicated in loving memory of Charles Lippincott, who George Lucas hired in late 1975 to join the first Star Wars production as Vice President of Advertising, Publicity, Promotion, and Merchandising. To quote George, Charlie was one of the founding pillars of the Star Wars films and phenomenon. He began in earnest the concept of licensing motion pictures at a time when only other company doing so was Disney. Charlie was the one who said early on that we can make this work and was the first person to both develop Star Wars licensing and engage with the fans. He had insights into marketing and public relations that were truly unparalleled and prime example of that is San Diego Comic-Con today. Charlie is widely credited for setting the trajectory of Star Wars fandom with his grassroots-style convention presentations beginning in 1976, well before the release of the first film. Those early appearances included Mark Hamill, who accompanied Charlie on a promotional tour for Star Wars, this barnstorming of conventions celebrating science fiction, fantasy, and comic books resulted in movie theaters welcoming large crowds of fans on Star Wars opening day, due in large part to Charlie's early promotional efforts. In addition, Charlie sought out the very first comic book and toy deals with Marvel and Kenner, now Hasbro, respectively. Two iconic legacies that continue to this day. Thank you, Charlie, for Star Wars comics becoming a reality. And that's what this Legends series is all about. The Force will be with him always.